You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 467. I'm your host, Chicky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Alex. Man, it's there's a wintry hellscape outside, slush and ice and snow everywhere. It's just one of those darker days. And after I got home from work, I did a few random chores and just laid down on the couch with my dog and took a nap before the show. Just one of those days. You have no idea what it's like. Sleep is a is a premium price to pay right now, but he brings well, the awesome. You chose that job. You chose the sanitation life. I I did, and uh, you know, let me bring uh, the awesomeness into us. He brings the awesome. It's I yield to no one. We're in the middle of snow, Mageddon. So if I make it through this recording to next week, it'll be a miracle. All right, let, let's have a quick discussion about this uh, white gold outside. It's not what I would call it. You can't sell it for shit. Well, I mean, I mean, so what What we're about to get is considered flurries for you, so you're going to get buried when this crosses the mountains. Oh, my. I, I don't think... now. Un- unless for- it stays... Unless it keeps tracking north and misses you all together and goes through Philly and just keeps going up to Maine, you're going to get hammered because this is actually a decent snowstorm for us. Sounds like the perfect... Prologue to a Stephen King novel up in Maine. Uh, listen, I, I I like the snow because no, you when don't. Snows, You're an adult. You don't like the snow. When it snows, I make a, a crap load of money. But when it snows, storm after storm after storm after storm after storm. Let, let's just say I was not supposed to be here today, and I'm not trying to make a course reference. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't think I've had a day off. Since January, and l- unless I took the uh, the day off that I'm taking right now, well, that's because I mean you make a lot of money because you're working crazy hours. Yeah, I I generally work from seven at night to seven in the morning every night. Uh, it's been let's see, tw- no, twenty one straight days. Yeah, twenty one straight days. It's just going to work, coming home, going to sleep, wake it up, go to work. Come home, go to sleep. Sounds terrible. You know, you yeah, can make all that I, money, but you got to have at some point some time to do something with it. Yeah, th- that's the point. As I was having a conversation with a coworker, I was like, it's one of those things like sometimes it's just not worth the money. Like there's more important things in this world than money. It's like peace of mind, sleep. Time. Time is like, more important than money. Absolutely. It's just, oh. Uh, yeah. So how are you guys dealing with the snow? You liking it or you don't like it? I mean, um, snow looks nice. Like I like looking outside and seeing snow, but then I have to take my dog outside, and she struggles with you know her footing and her feet being cold. So getting her to go to the bathroom is, you know, a, a labor could be a Herculean labor that I got to deal with. But um, I mean, I, I like looking at it, but I just don't like the cold weather. Like I can deal with cold 
But when you throw in, like, slush and ice and sleet and, like, I gotta, you know, clear off my car before I can leave work, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm over this winter shit. Bring the rain of spring. I can deal with that a little better. And Yield, how are you liking the snow? Oh, I'm okay with it. I made it home just as... Uh, it, it'd been it'd been going on for maybe a couple of hours, and I don't plan on going anywhere tomorrow. I mean, I'll get up and look outside. If it's not too bad, I'll go to work. Otherwise, I'm calling in. I feel like <laughs> Yield has already made his mind up that he's going to call in. I'm well. See, I, I put in for the day off over the weekend after we finally got <clears throat> the the as close as we could forecast for us. And I'm like, 7 to 10 inches is what they're calling for us. And I'm like, you know what? Plus like 35 mile an hour winds. I'm like, you know what? I ain't dealing with that Wednesday morning going to work. Or no, Tuesday morning going to work. So I put in for the day off. Well, so did like five other people. So I didn't get it. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm not mad. I'm like, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, if I can't get out my driveway, I ain't coming to work. Last you, Friday, you, they didn't salt our streets, and we, we have to go up a hill to get off of our cul-de-sac, and there, all day, before they actually did come and ice it in the afternoon, there were Amazon trucks and, like, pickups and stuff sliding down the hill, turning sideways, trying to drive up this ice hill. You'll, you should just pull a tricky and just go uh, call and say you got anal glaucoma. No, I mean, I'll just be like, man, I guy. Yeah, I was preferring to have the day off so I didn't have to get up. So now I have to get up and make the determination whether or not I'm actually going to go to work. The other day I went outside, like, my determination of whether I could drive to work was I uh, I stepped into the street off my driveway just to see how it felt, if it was just pack, if it was just snow packed down, if it was ice. And then I went over to a manhole cover and, like, dipped my toes in it, just or dipped my feet in it because of my shoes on, uh, to see if it was water, if it was ice. It was, it was water in the manhole cover, so I'm like, okay, I, I can go to work. But there are, there are co-workers that I have that, like, the day before they call out, they're like, oh, I'll try my best to be here, but, you know, I don't know. And, like, you already know it's like you're going to call out. Like, you already know you're going to call out. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. All right. But, That's I mean, enough we snow have time talk. to play video games when we have time off from work. Or, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter to Tricky because whether Tricky works or whether he's at home, he has time to play video games. So, You know, I, you know, I, I normally I take that hell... But when it snows is the one time I cannot play video games at work because I have to actually be doing work. So what, three months out of the year? Hey, it's it's a struggle, man. The you should, you should figure out how much time you work during these, these three months of winter or however long winter lasts this year and, and see how much that compares to a full year of work. Well, I think if you take one day of work during the snow, it pretty much covers the entire work I do all year long. Don't these worry. long hours, Tricky. You've learned these long hours. Uh, yes. All right. Uh, well, what else I've earned is some trophies. Let's do our updated trophy count. I am level 603, total trophies of 13,723 with 251 platinums. Alex? Level 440, total trophy count of 7,202 and a platinum count of 109 platinums in 108 games. I got a new platinum this week. And what'd you get, sir? I started the game on Saturday and platinum the game on Saturday night. Well, maybe Sunday morning. Uh, Concrete Genie. God bless you, sir. How was that? Are we gonna Are we gonna dip into just, what we've been playing already? Or I, I plan to say some stuff. Well, no, just playing, but just 
Well, no, I, well, I just like, is it good? I mean, is it? I, I think it's like, it, so. It's not a long game, and it's easy platinum. Like, it's it's not like a very stressful game. So it's one you can kind of like ease your way through. Uh, it's a really neat concept and like a really cool visual style, like really really well executed. So um, I'll talk about a little bit more and what you've been playing. But I definitely think that if you have PlayStation Plus, you should download it and play it. If you're a trophy hunter, it's easy platinum, and it's just an enjoyable game. Like I said, the mechanic of you know drawing the genies on the walls, doing like the little graffiti kind of stuff is really cool and it's executed really well when it comes to the puzzle solving. So uh, I like it a lot and I had a lot of fun with the game. It's one of the games that I played like just I just busted through because I was having so much fun playing it. All right. Yield, what is your trophy count, sir? Ah, level 435. Trophy count of 07-021 and a platinum count of 114. I also got a new one since I last recorded. Damn it, Yield, I said I was going to catch you. I've already gotten two Platinums this year, but you already, you're, you're, got gained one more on me. Yes. What was your Platinum in, Yield? Uh, Spyro the Dragon. God bless you, sir. All right, and Sid is level 512 with a total trophies of 10,133 with 174 Platinums. I believe he got a new one. I'm trying to look through his list right now. I'm to sure see what it is. Sid's popping all kinds of plats without us knowing. Chickens on the road. That is that like a cartoon during Adult Swim, or is that actually a game that they made? That is an actual game. Um, I'm assuming that this is probably a rat plat because there are 22 trophies in the game. Um. And I'm looking through the trophies right now. Obviously, one of the 22 is the Platinum. The other one is score X amount of points, and it ranges from 50 to 1,100 points, and that's all the trophies. There's one for getting 50, 100, 150, 200, 250, all the way up to 1,100 points. So I'm assuming that's a rat plat, but I've honestly never heard of it. Same here. They also didn't put a ton of creativity to the name, so... Although don't don't judge a game by its name. That is true. Uh, uh, but looking through his list right now, Sid is uh, playing Demon Souls. He's playing Miles Morales. He's playing Control. Man, he's some rat, Death- real rat plats there. Uh, he's playing some Death Stranding, Resident Evil Zero, and it looks like he started the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Well, God bless him, Sid. If you can get that platinum, I'll be super fucking impressed because that's a hard one. Actually, you know what? I'm not even gonna say he started playing it yet. Not that I'm doubting Sid or anything, but he's got a zero in every game, uh, uh, zero trophies in every game so far. So it's like he started it, but hasn't actually started playing yet. Uh, Maybe just making sure it installed it. correctly on his PlayStation. Maybe. All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Uh, Yield. Let's start with you, sir. So Rocket League, World of Warship Legends. Spyro the Dragon from the Reignite, Reignition Trilogy. Uh, Just Cause 3. Still trying to get that chip to unlock that glitched on me. Because that's all I need, basically, for the Platinum. Uh, all I need is you. Oh, sorry. Batman, The Enemy Within. Enemy Front. Been boosting the online with some gentlemen from 
PSN profiles. And that might be it. All right. I was trying to get the Alice. I was trying to get the app to work, but the app's not working. Yeah, it's uh butchered on me right now as well. Um It's because the heavy Alice. snow. There you go. Yes. I blame the snows. Thank you, Jarvis. So Alex besides uh uh you remember. Virginia, what else have you been playing? Alright, so I have been playing my usual Thursday dance. With the fellas, the Brothers of Destruction, Yield Homer, and the Brain over on Rocket League, our stream, PG streams on Twitch on Thursday nights at 7. Had uh, not a great night in the win column this past uh, this past week, but we always have fun. We had Nitro, we, we had, um, um, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of Matthew's name. Garrett. Oh, Gareth, sorry. That is... Nitro is Matthew, never mind. Yeah. Uh, Gareth was there with us because Gareth <laughs> oh, government wanted, names. To, wanted to play some Rocket League, but we had a full squad, so uh, we'll catch you next time, Gareth. But, um, yeah, it was a fun evening. Tricky, I gotta say, I like that you've been posting more of my goals and my plays on my clips on TikTok for the Rocket League. I think Ashley well, said the last 18 have been my clips. Has my complaint well, okay, gotten this... to you? Are you sick of my complaining about you being the only one who's featured? No, no, no. Yield isn't the only one that's featured. The problem is, and Yield, uh, feel free to puff your chest out real quick on this. You ready? Okay. Out of, okay, when you, when you guys play Rocket League Thursdays, obviously I get the highlights from everybody. The problem is, is that I only post goals or saves. So, in total, over the four of you guys, there may be about 150 clips total that I'm going to post. It's not an exaggeration to say 120 of those are going to be yield. That would be a safe assumption. So it's not that I'm not posting the clips. It's just that you guys, most of your clips are are shots and not actual goals or saves. Hey, who got more clips this week? Right. But yield also, like, like, I think yield had, I don't remember the number. Like to say, like, yield had 33 clips and you had, like, 37 30 of Yield's clips are him actually making a goal or a save, and, like, 10 of yours were. So what you're saying is I'm more efficient. Right. Now, with that being said, uh, Yield right now, um, and I, I'm not, I'll, I'll show this to Yield, or I'll show it to you both right now, uh, hold on. Uh, downloads yield. Here we go. Uh, select all. Now, now I gotta share my screen with you guys. Hold on a second. Do do do. Uh, do do All right. So I'm sharing my screen with you guys. This is the box with yields clips in it. Right. Okay. Yield. Look at look at the bottom left corner. See how many items I have to post for you. Hold on here. I may make it to a bigger screen. Bottom left corner. Uh, 72. Yes. So I have to post 72 uh, videos for you by Thursday. That's not very many. That's a lot. Dumb. But, yes, you, uh, Alex, you were focused. 
You mean I, I was focused or I was featured? You, you, well, you were focused this week. This is the first time in Rocket League Thursday histories you had more clips than Yield. I've gotten, I've managed to stay close some weeks with Yield. Yield, oh, yield was yeah, playing yeah, a lot. Of, yield was playing a lot of goalie. That's and you do have a lot of saves there, sir. Uh, but my favorite clip from this week, um, and I wish I could find it real, real quick, is uh, Riley yelling at you guys. Oh, he's probably yelling at me. No, no, he was yelling at all of you guys. He's uh, because apparently he was supposed to be on cleanup and nobody went for the ball. No, that was me. So, that was me. So. So Riley took over everything, got the ball down, and scored, but didn't even celebrate him scoring. As the ball went in and he scored, and everybody's going, hey, good shot. He's still yelling at you guys. I'm playing cleanup. I should not have gotten to the ball. It was the funniest thing. I was laughing hysterically when I saw that clip. Maybe not post that on TikTok. They won't think we're nice to each other anymore. Oh. So, but yes, uh, you guys, you guys on uh, TikTok, are, they're still bull shaming you guys, and I'm getting a lot of complaints from you, Alex. Uh, maybe I have to stop posting the videos because apparently you have camera shakes still on. Well, tough shit. Deal with it. Damn. I'm not. I'm not changing the way I play because of what people on TikTok say. Which I'm not even like. Hey, tricky. Post my videos on TikTok. You just started doing it, so <laughs> That's they can go elsewhere if they don't want their, the ball shake on. But Th- this is the point of the, this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I keep cutting you Yeah, off. but no, I mean, I, there's been a lot of highlights from my gaming this past week. You post plenty of things on TikTok. So, the, the usual Thursday night shenanigans with the guys on Rocket League. Uh, still going on, the Lucky Lanterns event. So, if you play Rocket League, make sure you get in there and get some of those sweet items for the Lucky Lanterns event. It is, um, we actually, I think Yield and I both got every all the items in one night. So, it's doable that you can get them all in one night. Doesn't take that long, about an hour, hour and a half. Um... Also played, I, I finally got into some raids in Ghost of Tsushima, and I realized why they locked those behind so much other grinding, because they're <laughs> hard as fuck. So I've tried five or six times, and essentially the, the way the raid works is there's three chapters, and I've only been able to try the first chapter because I've beaten the first chapter, but essentially you go into an area, and once you go into the area, EO starts looking for you. And then, essentially, you're on a timer. So you need to get this done with a certain amount of time, but you don't know how much time to, uh, you have. So, essentially, you have... There's, like, these little blood egg sacs all around the arena. And it's 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 bigger than an arena, but the arena's the best one I can think of. And you have to, I guess, kill enemies in order to open these up. And once they open up, some of them will contain a crystal. You have to take three of these crystals to the top of the area, or a specific spot on the... Um, map and you know you move this is really heavy crystals so you move slow as fuck you know even if you're an assassin or you're a hunter you move slow as hell with this so you have to rely on your your comrades to save you or to protect you while you're carrying this because there are just waves of enemies coming at you um i in in my tries so far my teams and i have managed to get one crystal um per round to the the spot on the map where you need to to finish and you need three to complete the map so the raids are hard as fuck, and my one complaint is I feel like, you know, we're able to stay alive, we're able to keep each other alive, and just kind of gradually work towards the goal, but there, like, it doesn't feel like there's enough time to beat the raid. I mean, people have the Transcendence Trophy, so people have done the, in all three chapters of the raid, so there's clearly, I mean, people have found enough time, but for me, and the way my teams that we've played, it's like we get one crystal, and then we're like, EO finds you, and once EO finds you, you basically have to start again, it kills you. So you get unlimited tries to beat the raid, 
but it's it's real hard, real fucking hard. It's it's so hard that I'm like, you know what? I might just not go after that gold trophy because whatever me and my teammates have been doing, it's not working. So, uh, but I was glad I actually got in there to find or finally got into the raid to be able to try them out. Not necessarily my style. Uh, I mean, they're fun. But if I feel like I need more time in order to enjoy it more. Like, I, I feel like there's just not enough time to get everything done. So I definitely liked it more than survival stuff. In the end, I think Legends, it's really cool because it is, like, very story-based. It is a continuation, you know, it is based in a continuation or, like, sort of an offshoot of the story in the single player of Ghost of Shima. So it's all really well thought out. But because everything is so story-based in that game, it's not like, you know, dropping a Call of Duty in every map, like, every... You know, even if you're playing over the same maps, you're playing with all different people. So it's like everything is different. You know, when you're doing the, the co-op story missions and you're doing the survival like stuff, it all kind of un- like un- unfurls in the same way. Like if you're doing, you know, all gold runs on the story missions, you're going to go through the same enemies every time. And the enemies are going to come from the same place every time. So because everything is so story based and kind of set, it's, it feels like you're, you're li- more likely to get tired of it more quickly than, say playing call of duty or apex legends where it feels like with playing with different people every time and your experience is different so because like the story-based part of legends is a an asset of the game but also it's kind of a detriment too because there's only so many times you can play through the stories before you're like okay i'm kind of done with this so um again like i really like legends and i think if you're a fan of ghost shima you should check it out but i I also don't feel like the community is going to be there for a long, long time. Like I've said, this is not a game that people are going to give up. You know, they're not going to give up Apex or whatever, like Rocket League or whatever their online community they already have. It's just kind of going to be a short stop, a uh, little layover, and then people are going to probably drop it and get back to other things. Uh, also played Concrete Genie. And I, like I said before, I really like the game. It's a cool concept. So the story behind the game is you're a kid, you like art, you know, you're an artist, and you are bullied by these other kids in town. The town is basically... Uh, it's been so overtaken by toxic feelings and just hatred that uh, essentially everyone's abandoned the town, and the only people you really interact with during at this part at this point are this gang of five kids who just bully you. So, I mean, your goal is to stay away from them, but like the overarching goal is that you have to find. They basically took your sketchbook and they ripped out all the pages, and what you have to do is you go through the game, and the collectibles are the pages from your your book. So you're collecting landscape pages, you're collecting. Um, uh, the genies, so the genies are the little, like, monster-like guys you dry, draw on the walls, kind of like graffiti, but they're kind of like these real ethereal, otherworldly, like, really fine line, very precise drawings. So it's not like graffiti, but it's the best word I can think of. But basically, you're you're finding these book pages to be able to draw genies and landscapes, like, say, trees and, like, campfires and suns and moons and everything, stars, to be able to progress the game. So there are certain points in the game where you'll see a little... Um, genie drawing and like and like chalk like a sidewalk chalk drawing where you could draw a genie and you know you get to customize the genie um with a body ears like a a topper like a hat um a tail kind of it's kind of basic stuff i mean there are quite a few different customization options but in the end like the genies all kind of look the same because the bodies in general kind of all kind of glom together so i wish there were a few more customization options to make the genies feel look different um, but yeah, you collect pages, which will give you features that you can use to customize the genies, body types, and everything. So what you're doing is essentially you're trying to beautify this town, which has gone to hell, in order to bring people back. So you're you know um, you're using your brush, yes, you are an, as you are an artist, to basically 
draw on the walls to bring these uh, creatures to life to help you solve puzzles, get around, you know, the bullies, and just ger- generally bring life back to this town. And it's a cool concept, and like I said, it's, edu- it's executed really, really well. Um, you know, there's it's not a long game, but I feel like what they did, it's just a really cool concept that I think that if you're just looking for a short game and... It's just kind of like a, a, a not super stressful game, just kind of like an easygoing game you can enjoy with like really cool art style and a really cool like uh, narratives. All right, it's a it's a it's a cute little story about bullying and overcoming that and everything. And you know it's got a nice little feel good ending. So uh, the only complaint I have is that about two thirds of the way through the game they introduce combat. It kind of comes hand in hand with a shift in the story, uh, which I get. But also like the combat isn't the strongest point of this game the strongest point is the fact that you're platforming you're exploring you're collecting things uh you're drawing and doing your customization things the genies so the combat part of it it doesn't end on the strongest note but you know um the the rest of the game uh I, i love just exploring the city i love you know solving the puzzles and using the genies like you can interact with the genies give them high fives you can give them hugs there are points in the thing where you can like sit down and watch them do karaoke you can you know, shoot a basketball and they'll give you a high five for it and cheer for you. So it's a really cute story about like a kid who, who gets, you know, not only creates these genies, but like he created them first in his book and then he brings them to life on the, on the, the, the brick and mortar walls of the city. They help him, you know, throughout this adventure and they, be, they form a friendship. So it's, it's really cool. Um, really cute story with a really cute, like a really good narrative hook and also just like a really cool art style that, you know, you, you look at the art style of the game and you see like the, the character main character Ash and he's given like, I think a high five to one of the genies and just like, that's exactly what plays out in the game. So, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Even, even though the combat comes in and kind of sucks some of the wind out of the sails, um, it's a great little game and you get it for free on PlayStation plus. So it's, it's not going to take too much of your time. So you should definitely play it if you have the chance to, um, the other game, well, this isn't the game that I played, but I, I think it's the, one of the more important games that I've seen played. Ashley has been playing a game called Spirit Fair, and I don't know if either one of you have heard this. I think it's on Nintendo, it's on the Switch, it's on the PlayStation, and on the Xbox, I believe. Either, have either one of you heard of this game, Spirit Fair? No, I have not. So it's uh, essentially like the it's a, a beautifully animated and like it almost looks hand drawn, I believe, but it's kind of like a, a cart. It's a cartoon game, a cartoony game, and essentially. Um, don't let that fool you because it's a very like serious emotional game. It's got some serious emotional punch to it. So Spirit Fair, like the name says, like you are essentially um, the ferryman that takes wayward spirits to their final resting place. So essentially, the, you pick up spirits, and these people have passed on, and they have unfinished business in the world. And that what you're doing in the game is you are the ferryman who is doing missions for these people to basically bring them the peace they need to move on to what they call the Everdoor, which is wherever spirits go once they they leave this plane, this plane of existence. So it's a real, like, the animation is fantastic. It's one of the best animated games I've ever seen, like, I've seen in a long, long time. Great, fantastic art style. And like I said, there is a cartoon touch to it, so uh, on the surface, it, it may not look that serious, but I'm telling you, it, it packs an emotional wallop. There was, like, I've kind of been watching Ashley play it on and off, but you know, it's kind of one of these things that I've sit there and watch one of the, her take one of the spirits to the Everdoor, and I'm like, man, this is this is rough. This is hard for me to watch, and I know it's been taking its emotional toll on her. And you know, it's like, hey, it's sad because you get to know these characters, and then eventually you have to take them to their final place where you, you know, it's like, okay, well, where where do these people go? I never get to see them again. But you have to take solace in the fact that you're giving these spirits. You know, these spirits were 
trouble. They were, you know, they didn't want to leave this planet of existence for one reason or another. And you were finally, through the game, giving them that peace they need to finally be at rest. So there's good and bad to it. Like I said, at least, if you, if it, even if it doesn't sound like the kind of game you want to play, go look at the art style, go look at videos, because it's gorgeous. And um, fantastic music, like, really adds to the, the vibe. You know, when it's happy, the music adds to it. When it's sad, man, that music drags you down even further. But uh, it's a it's a cool real game, and it's one of those games that Ashley is like she doesn't invest in games as, as quickly as I do, or you know as easily as I do. But this is one she's been playing for days and days and days. So yeah, I mean essentially most of the game is played on the boat on a boat, and you sail from place to place to place, you know, getting resources. Um, you know, and basically the boat is a living environment, so you grow food, you cook food, you build houses for the residents on there, and then you get to know them and. As you do your missions, eventually you will come to a point where you have given their, them peace of mind and they can move on. But uh, yeah, Spiritfarer, all one word, it's an extremely cool game. So I, I definitely think that if you've never heard of it, you should definitely check it out. But yeah, all so right. that's a whole lot of me. Yes, so let's get on to me, who uh, hasn't played anything but Division 2 because hasn't had time to play a game. Got it. You're trying to get over over 900 hour 900 hours total. Oh, 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 oh! I have a bone to pick with you, yield. Okay. Okay. Now, let me uh, start this off by saying, you by far, well, not by far, you had more trophies and platinums than I did last year. But it's not as impressive as you made the seem because. In the stats last week, you guys pointed out that I played over 2,000 hours last year. And Yield made the comment that he got more Platinums and more trophies in half the time. That's not a fair statement because you guys also pointed out that I played Division 2 for 1,000 hours last year. So, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not as far as impressive as you making out to seem there, Mr. I Beat Tricky. Still sounds good. Still sounds good. All right. I'm also mad you guys didn't give me uh, credit for my good transition before. My good segue. Which one was that? Was that to the trophy uh, section What or the, the, our trophy counts? Yes. Yes. Well, I didn't want to call it out like, oh, Tricky finally good did a good transition. Like you're an incompetent shit who can't do good transitions. But you call it out every time I fuck one up. Occasionally. Not everyone. Let's be honest. There, there right, have been plenty get- of lazy segues that we haven't called out. That's true. All right, let's get into our topics. Uh, a couple of these uh, just passed it on the news, but this first one here, I thought kind of uh, like I know none of us play Grand Theft Auto, but I thought this is still fucking impressive. Grand Theft Auto Five and GTA Online just had their best year since launch. This is coming from Rebe- Rebecca Valentine over at IGN. 2020 was yet another record-setting year for Grand Theft Auto V and GTA Online. According to the publisher, in an earnings brief, Take-Two revealed that Grand Theft Auto V has sold over 140 million units to date. That's about 10 million units sold since May of last year. Additionally, more units of GTA V were sold in calendar 2020 than any other year except for the year's launch in 2013 when it sold 32.5 million. Grand Theft Auto Online is also doing well years after launch, with Take-Two saying the game had more players each month in 2020 than any other month since launch, as well as the full year of 2020 than in any other year since its launch. It also saw the game's highest participation rate for both new and returning players, and its revenue was up 28% year-over-year for the quarter. 
Is that because were God. people playing more GTA because of GTA, or was it because they were sitting at home with nothing to do? I don't care. That's still freaking impressive. 120 million copies of the game, or excuse me, 140 million copies of the game. I mean, it's it's bonkers. It's crazy that they and and when people complain about G, them putting GTA <laughs> Five onto newer consoles like the the Five and the um, S and X. They're like, look at our fucking sales numbers. The game is still selling like crazy. Why wouldn't we just put this game out on these new consoles? Because even if people have bought it before and played it on the 4, they will likely buy it again on the 5 and the X or the S. Is is GTA 5 basically the new Skyrim where it's going to be on everything except for a toaster? It'll probably be on a toaster. I mean, did Skyrim bridge this many generations, though? Skyrim came out, what, on the 3? Sure. And it's been... Yield, do you know? Uh, it's the three sounds right. It, okay, so... Yeah, it, it may have been... It may have been the two. And while you look that up, look up how many other systems Skyrim's on now. Well, I mean, like, not just, like, console generations. Like, how many generations does it span? I don't care if it's on all 11 consoles or all 11 devices in one generation. Well, if it can't... If it came out on the three, then GTA is the same so thing. No, it GTA was November eleventh, two thousand eleven. That was the three. Yeah, so, so I mean, it looks like Skyrim these two games are neck and neck for who can have the most influence over console generations. Crazy. Which, I mean, it's, well, first of all, like, good on Skyrim because who thought any game would ever match GTA like that? And, you know, I don't know what kind of sales they have, so they may not match in sales, but to be that relevant that long is impressive for any game. Uh, this article goes on to say uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has now sold over 36 million copies. Uh, Red Dead Online has reached more players in December 2020 than it's ever since its beta launch in 2018. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> and, like, they, they can be like, Rockstar can be like, or um, Take-Two can be like, yeah, we, we sell more games than Nintendo. Our first party, our, our our own games do better than Nintendo's own games, which is nuts. Uh, speaking of games that you guys are interested in, let's move it on here. This is coming from the PlayStation blog, uh, written by Marcus Smith. Alex broke the news on the Facebook group. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is arriving on the PS5 June 11. Actually, I think I got that from a GameSpot story, but I did share it with everybody on the. On the Facebook page. Okay. Hey, get when excited. I meant that you're breaking the news. I meant you're breaking it to the, our community. But yeah. Do, 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 and Homer do, do. was quick to ask if this would make Yield and I buy a PlayStation 5. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to say yes, but probably. And then that is if I can find one. Yield was a little bit more reserved. Yield, Yield's answer kind of angered me a little bit. I got to be honest. Why? But, but it's classic Yield. It's the truth. you said you're going to... You said you'll pick it up on the cheap once you finally get your PS5. No, no, no. So if I haven't bought my five yet, and the new copy drops in price, like down to twenty bucks, I'll buy it and then sit on it until I get my five. Because I'll want a new copy. Okay. That's what I meant by pick it up on the cheap. Okay. If I don't have a five by then. When I read it, I thought you were saying that you'll. When you get your PS5, you'll buy it on the cheap like you can wait for a day at the bargain bin. In a sense, that's that's what I would be doing. I'll, you know, because I mean, I'm not I'm not buying a five anytime soon. 
So, if I haven't bought a five before Ratchet and Clank hits the bargain bin, bargain bin, then I'll pick it up once it hits the bargain bin. Uh, there are also uh, pre-order unlock bonuses. You get the Carbonox armor from Going Commando and the Pixelizer weapon. Um, that's for the Digital Standard Edition. And here we have the Deluxe Digital Edition, which gets everything you just said, but it also includes five armor sets, photo mode sticker pack, 20... Uh, I always say this word wrong. Raritanium? I believe so, uh, yes. Digital... Sa- Digital sound book and digital art book. And yeah. I mean, I think I it's can't, I, I, can't. I for Ratchet and Clank to be like, I think they've done a really good job of managing Ratchet and Clank than being Sony and Insomniac. Because you think about it, it came out like I think was I think Going Commando was 2001, which was the second game in the series. But it was for the PS2. And here we are on the PS5. You know, three generations later, a total of four generations, and people are still excited for Ratchet and Clank. Which, how easy would it have been for them? Because, I mean, I was watching a video the other day, and I, I cannot remember for the life of me. I, I wish I could give credit for this, but I can't remember. It's on YouTube, but I can't remember exactly. Oh, I think it was the Completionist on YouTube. But basically, he said that the that Sony greenlit a sequel to Ratchet and Clank five months before the game came out. So before the original game came out, yeah. five months before it came out, they greenlit a sequel. Which is going commander. Uh, the first line of this article says, All of us at Insomniac Games say, Thank you for your support for Ratchet and Clank across 19 years and four generations of PlayStation consoles. 19, oh, so it'd be 2002 when the first one came out. Yep. Okay. Because I know they came out, I think, in successive years. So one after the other, Going Commando and then Up Your Arsenal, which Up Your Arsenal was the first one I played. And I got it on the, on the Greatest Hits collection for the PS2 and then went back and played the other games. I loved Up Your Arsenal. And then. That was my favorite game in the series for a long time. Got cr- went crazy, uh, ex- got crazy excited for Tools of Destruction on the PS4, and then A Crack in Time was the the game that, that broke the uh, the spell that Up Your Arsenal had over me because Crack in Time is my favorite Ratchet and Clank game of all time. But uh, it, it's crazy that I'm still so excited for a Ratchet and Clank game because it's not like the formula has changed that much over the years, but it's still fun as hell. And I got to give Sony credit for you know not like essentially putting the cigarette out in, in our eye. Where it's like you will buy more and more Ratchet and Clank because they definitely could have done it. All right, going from one cartoon mascot to another, Crash Bandicoot Four is coming to the PlayStation Five, Xbox, Xbox Series, and Switch in March. I can't believe I was uh, about ready to delete this off of the agenda because I'm like, why? Why is this news? But there is actually for Ratchet and, for if you already own the game, there is some news later in the article that actually pertains to you. Yes. Uh, this is coming from Jonathan Dordenbush over at IGN. Uh, Crash is coming to the all those series. Activision and developer Toys for Bob have announced that Crash 4 will be released for the PlayStation 5, both Xbox Series platforms, and Nintendo Switch on March 12th with a PC release via Battle.net sometime later this year. The PS5 and Series X versions will run natively at 4K 60 frames per second, while the Series S version will run at 60 frames with an upscale to 4K. These next-gen versions also include a faster loading times and 3D audio, and players who have purchased About Time on the PS4 or Xbox One can upgrade to the next-gen version at no extra cost, except in Japan, and transfer over your save So that includes me. I can upgrade for free if I want to continue to try to get the perfect run relics and the hellacious time trial relics. 
The PS5 version about time will also make use of the DualSense adapter triggers while using weapons like Neocortex Blaster and Tawana's Hookshot, while activity cards on the system will offer breakdowns of progress in each dimension. You'll, we got to get you uh, a fan of those activity cards. I know you're not a big fan of them now. No, no, not a fan of them. Uh, for those not upgrading to the Series X versions or the PS5, uh, will cost $60, and the Switch version is available for pre-order today in certain territories for $40, the same price it will cost on your PC. So, uh, Alex, are you going to be interested in playing this again on your PS5, or are you going to be done with it by then? I mean, I feel like I've done everything I can do in Ratchet and Clank. Or, sorry, Ratchet and Clank. I've got mascots on the brain. Uh, it's all a jumble. It's crazy. It's, it's like the grandmother who you know calls the one grandson by the other grandson's name. Crash Bandicoot, I guess I had a lot of fun with that game, but I feel like I've accepted the fact that I don't want to put myself through the perfect run relics or the time trial relics trying to get all the, plat- the platinum ones. I just don't want to deal with it, so I'm good. This is great for anyone who, you know, wants to upgrade for free. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything extra, so that's great. And the fact that, like, the, the one of the real winners in all of this is that the load times are faster because that's one thing about Crash 4 is it has terrible load time. They're awful. Um, but the fact that they'll be improved going to the 5, that's that's a huge benefit to anyone who wants to play on the 5 and who just doesn't want to do the load times, which, why would you if you didn't have to? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much done with Crash 4, and, you know, unless there's a rainy day where I get a wild hair up my ass and I'm like, I gotta get those final trophies, which has happened in the past, so we'll see. But, yeah, I, it, it's great for anyone who wants to upgrade, but I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to, you know, once I get my five, I'll be too busy playing Ratchet and Clank and Returnal to be worried about Crash. All right. Uh, we're going to skip the next topic because I don't know why I put that one in. But I put this one in because I, I, I seem to remember there being some scuttlebutt, or not scuttlebutt, some, some hype around this game when it was first announced and then, ultimately canceled. So, Yield, I'm going to go to you first for comments on this, but coming from IGN, and uh, as far as the article goes, it just says by IGN staff, so nobody is getting credit for it except for the staff. Headline reads, Cancelled Iraq War First-Person Shooter Six Days in Fallujah is resurrected for a 2021 release. Yield, what do you think about Six Days in Fallujah coming back? Okay. I don't really care one way or the other, I guess. I mean... I I thought you were really hyped on this game. Am I misremembering? No, I don't really remember. I remember hearing the the game title. I don't remember what the big hoopla about it was, but... Oh, okay. I'm going to take this out of the show. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I... I guess. I mean, it's not something I want to play. I understand, you know, I remember when this controversy went down, but it was so long ago, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to play a real-world tactical military shooter. That's just not my... I, I play video games to escape the real world, and that's just a little bit too real and grisly for me. I mean, even though I did like Spec Ops The Line, um, which I know... Fantastic I, I, I knew Yield was going to bust in there. I'm surprised it took him that long, but yeah, real <laughs> military shooters just aren't really for me unless they have kind of a sci-fi edge to them. So if they want to pick this project back up and they want to do it right and they want to present warfare in a, a more realistic way, um, good on them. But it's just not something that I really care about. It's, it was honestly, the, the, it was sad that, that 
the most interesting thing about this game when it came out, or the news of this game when it came out, was that all the controversy surrounding it was far more interesting than the actual game. It's like, was it actually worth making the game if it was going to be met with this much controversy, which is eventually why Konami pulled out of, you know, being the publisher of it. All right, well, let, let's read the article here a little bit. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what Six Days of Fuji is, uh, the article was designed with the accuracy in mind of over 100 Marine soldiers and Iraq c- civilians have been interviewed to ensure auth- authenticity. The campaign dis- depicts six days of conflict experienced by the U.S. Marines as they attempted to recapture Fallujah from Al-Qaeda. To simulate the battle, the developers of high-wire games claim they have created, quote, unique technologies and game mechanics, end quote, designed to replicate the uncertainty and tactics of modern combat in in, in a way other games do not. The original version of Six Days of Fallujah was announced in 2009 by developer Atomic Games and publisher Konami and was met with criticism from war veterans and anti-war groups. Set in a violent video game in a real-world war, particularly one just not fresh, particularly one not just fresh in the memory, but also seen as unjust, was seen as controversial. This caused Konami to pull out the project while Neville formally canceled in the games. News on Six Days of Fallujah gradually faded in the years. Atomic Games' former CEO uh, has has set up Victora and has been working on a new version of Six Days of Fallujah since 2016. So there you go. You obviously, when you are basing it on a real world event, like real world events, like real world skirmishes and, and bloody battles, there is a certain respect that you have to pay to it and I, i'm sure that anyone who's a critic of it just was like you can't pay that level of respect to what happened and maybe people just don't want it depicted because you know can you truly honor what happened or you know i don't know it's it's it seems like obviously this is a passion project for whoever but in the end is this something people really want to play do people really want to play out a grizzly war scenario you know, and, and if, you know, right. veterans and, you know, soldiers and, you know, veteran, like people who serve in the military, if they came out against this and not maybe not every one of them, you know, has a problem with it. But I, I don't see why I like some schmo like me should be able to be like, yeah, go ahead and make it. That's cool. All right. Uh, another game I think Yield was interested in, but hopefully uh, this article will get him more interested in because he started fade on it. Uh, Hood. Oh, excuse me. Hood Outlaws and Legends sounds like a co-op Ocean's Eleven Merry Men simulator. Now, yield. Give me. Let, let me get through this and explain this to you. Then we'll go to you and get your first uh, impressions of this new news. Uh, this article is coming from IGN and is written by Matt Perslow. Game director Andrew Willens explains that. Um, that a match of Hood is made up of three stages. Stealing the key to the vault, grabbing the treasure from said vault, and escaping the map with your haul. It's a fairly straightforward concept, but the barriers between you, your four-player team, and the treasure are not just AI guards and a labyrinth map. Rather than a cooperative game, Hood is a competitive rival team of players is also present. Hunt for the exact same prize that you are. It's not just a heist, but a race, too. If you hunt if you played Hunt Showdown, you have a sense of the fun and stress that it should entail. Sorry for my phone. I forgot to mute it. All right. So here you go. You'll come face-to-face with your rivals at some point during the match of three phases, which start with a po- picket-pocket exercise. The first objective is all about stealing the key to open the treasure vault, but that's just not laying around. It's on the belt of Sheriff of Nottingham, so you've got to sneak up behind, 
and pickpocket the sheriff without him turning around or whomping you or kicking the hornet's nest. You'll need to work as a team to approach the sheriff, overcoming a number of environmental obstacles on the way. There are doors where you need to pick the lock silently or smash them loudly, which could attract guards. You'll have a rope arrows that you can shoot down from the battlements, which give you a silent entry point. As you spawn, usually what happens is you'll be tagging the routes that you think would most be adventurous for the team. With the key secured, it's on to the next objective, finding the treasure vault. When you get the key, we'll give you a clue. It will say... You've got the key to the church for a number of, for one of a number of other potential buildings, but doesn't tell you directly where the vault is. So then it becomes a challenge to get into that building and get your eyes on the treasure vault. At this point, the enemy team will be alerted to the fact that you have the key, but they won't be provided with the clue. From their perspective, hopefully you'll make enough ruckus that they'll be able to hear the commotion and work out which part of the map you're heading for. As such, Celt is paramount. This is reinforced by the number of systems that hinder your team's progress if you are caught by the city guard. You still with me, Yield? I'm still with you. Okay. Uh, I'll try to read through this for you. Uh, I'm trying to see where the third part starts. All right, so give me your impressions right now while I'm trying to find out where the third part is. Uh, no. <laughs> Just... Could you elaborate to give me some time here, uh, Killer? It kind of feels hey, like... Hey, I, I I was excited when the trailer first started. By the end of the trailer, they had killed that excitement. So, and this this does not booster it anymore. Well, here's the thing. Like, they talked about, like, classes within the game. So, like, there are... I can't remember the exact names, but one of the classes is, like, a brute class, which is based on Little John. And if you get trapped in an area... Like an enclosed area where they like drop doors isn't the right word, but basically they enclose you off an area. The little John character can lift you up and get you out of there. Um, so this is class based. They also talked about the, one of the interesting parts: the sheriff of Nottingham. I remember the sheriff of Nottingham from the Robin Hood Disney movie, the animated movie, where he's like the fat wolf guy and kind of goofy. So whenever I read this in the article, I, I thought of that guy in this place. But apparently the Sheriff of Nottingham is almost like a Jason-type character in this game. You know, Jason from Friday the 13th game we had a couple years ago, where he's a one-hit kill. So there's, like, other guards that will come up against you. But if you go up against the Sheriff of, Sheriff of Nottingham, he can apparently crush your skull in one hit. So you gotta watch out for that guy. Alright, no more for, need for me to look for because you'll... Uh, Alex just read exact part that I was going oh, okay. to. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, so... Like, I, I like the concept. It's it's an interesting take on Robin Hood and making it multiplayer. Because, I mean, these days a lot of a lot of the money is in multiplayer and free to play. Let's be honest. I honestly, when I was reading it, I kind of lost any interest. In, actually, well, first of all, I forgot the game was coming out, and then when I was reading the article, I was like, Ugh. it's kind of weird because I don't know if I'm excited for it or if I'm like, I'll pass. So it's not like a hard pass. I'm just kind of firmly sitting in the very un uncomfortable position of being right on the fence. I don't know how to feel about this game. I like some of the aspects about it, but having it be class-based, I mean, I get that. With with a team-based element like you saw in Ghost of Shima Legends, it's class-based. But I, I just don't know if I should be excited for this game. Like, it's it's... Are you just using the Robin Hood name to get, like people's attention or is like they're a robin hood class or like are, are you gonna be able to play as robin hood which is kind of like a super character because like it says well, each each class has its own super ability so um and it's, it says something like if you trip an alarm or if you're seen then 
you lose your ability to get your super ability. So there are penalties for the one character or the one person on your team who gets caught. So stealth is imperative, but they also said that they didn't want to make it so that you have to be stealthy all the time because they they made maps that basically funnel you into encounters. So they don't want you to be able to completely avoid each other because a lot of the like the bombastic final finale fun, the excitement comes in like meeting against your your opponent, your aggressor team, like the opponents like facing off and then you know dueling over the treasure. Gil, you were going to say something. So what they said was how how the game's coming about is that with all the different histories of Robin Hood, they kind of went their own route and that the Robin Hood is, is who was currently the Robin Hood is kind of missing or gone or dead. And these band of gangs are kind of trying to get the next big score, which is the loot you're going after, to put their claim on they are the next Robin Hood. They're portraying Robin Hood as more of a bad guy than a good guy. Which sounded interesting, but that still wasn't enough to draw me back in by the end of the trailer. I mean, I, I got to say that I, I'm kind of losing interest as well. I'm still, like, I still want to look at it. I want to see some gameplay because I, I don't think we've seen gameplay of this yet. Have we? No. No. Uh, once I see some gameplay, you know, obviously I'll make the things. But I like the concept, uh, as, you know, Alex said. But I, I don't know. Like in, in a world filled with multiplayer shooters, FPSs which dominate. Who is this game for? Is this game for people who like the lore of Robin Hood, who grew up on the stories of Robin Hood? Is it people who like heist games? Because as far as I remember, Payday, the Payday series didn't do too well. Like, it wasn't... No, Payday Payday did fantastic. Really? Yeah, especially Payday 2. Payday, when Payday 2 came out, it really took off. Where is the series now? Well, they haven't made a, another Payday, but I believe... Uh, they were the studio behind the Walking Dead game that got, uh, that went bankrupt. Hold on. We'll get it up. Uh, Payday 2 came out in 2013, so we're almost 10 years. Well, eight years. Uh, who are they? Who is it made by? Hold on. Starbreeze Studio. They were the ones behind the, uh, the canceled, uh, Walking Dead game that was supposed to come to consoles and never did. They went bankrupt, or there was they had some uh, some fuckery in the studio. So, all right, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I just don't remember it being like having that long of a life. Uh, let me let me look up their uh, payday to sales. Uh, uh, payday and payday two have sold over nine million units. I, mean, I guess it did pretty well then, but that also doesn't tell us engagement. But I mean, if if nine million people you know bought it, then that's not a free to play game. They made their money, so. But yep. again, like this game, Robin Hood, who is this for? And and is it oh, anything just... more for people than just like, hey, I'll try it, and then oh, because I mean, Friday the Thirteenth has a certain appeal. 
this though i'm i'm not entirely sure like it's like you, they put together a really good trailer and it's like oh cool robin hood game but i just i don't think that robin hood is as cool these days as maybe it was when carrie elwes was robin hood men in tights that's another excellent movie that was especially since uh i Dave Chappelle was just reminded me about it. He's he's well, and he's also the only Robin Hood who's actually British. That's true. All right, let's go on to our final story no, before we get into our topic tricky? of the week. I'm sorry. Did you did you, uh, you didn't really honest, give your thoughts on the game though? I I yeah I did. I mean, like I'm interested, but I'm I'm uh I don't know. Just when I read that description, it kind of like turned me off a little bit. Although I'm intrigued by it, I just got to see some gameplay because if it, if it's just like if it's just basic and there's no strategy really to it, it's just okay. We got to get lucky and you got to win this battle, or you know, if, if it becomes too cheesy to try to hide from the sheriff of Nottingham, like I I, I don't know. It's it's I got to see some gameplay. I got to see a full match. I got to see certain interactions. I'm interested in the concept. I like the idea that it's, it's done in three phases. I just, I don't know. I got to see it. But is this, I mean, is this like trying to fit Robin Hood, the, the, the Robin Hood IP onto a popular I, style of game that maybe it doesn't I work honestly, on? I, think they, you, I, I, I honestly think they are trying to use the Robin Hood name to bring attention to it. Um, but in reference, you know, does Robin Hood really draw attention? I think so. I mean, Robin Hood is a fairly well-known character. I mean, even if you've never seen uh, any of the movies or read any of the, the books, the name is very popular. Well, I'm not saying Robin Hood is not a legendary character in lore, like I would agree that he is, and in, in, in narrative. But is that is that what's going to bring people to the table when it comes to a video game? I, I don't know. I mean, you look at, like, uh, look at... um. All right, you brought up Friday the 13th. Uh, nobody nobody really paid attention to that style of game because uh, they've tried it a couple times until they threw Friday the uh, 13th on it. But essentially, Friday the 13th is the same game as De- uh, Death by Daylight. Is that it? Dead, maybe Dead by Daylight. Yeah. I think it's Dead by Daylight. Dead, yeah. Um, and and, and that the game was out game. before... Well, the Predator game came out after Friday the 13th. But my point is that the Friday the 13th brought people to that style of gameplay, which brought more popularity back to uh, Dead by Daylight, which uh, arguably has put in some of the best characters. I mean, they've gotten Freddy Krueger. They've gotten Jason. They've got Michael Myers. Uh, they got Ash from... Uh, what an asshole. Uh, yield. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. He just completely. Yeah, I was gonna say that he completely threw me off, and I forgot what it was. Um. So, do I feel like they're tacking Robin Hood name on to bring some popularity to this? Yes, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. If they do it right and they don't destroy the war, and it, they, it doesn't turn out to, oh well, this game sucks, but you know, because Robin Hood's named on it, it's making it better. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. All right, anything else, guys? Nope. All right. Uh, let's talk about a concept. You know what, you, know what you and your fucking ringtone? That reminds me. <laughs> your boy Adam Bankhurst. What ringtone? Yeah, your tone. 
on your phone. Your 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 Zelda. I found a secret ringtone. Did it just go off? Because I didn't even hear it. Yes, it went off. Your boy Adam Bankhurst. Oh. <laughs> I know we haven't mentioned him on this show, yes. so we got to get that pop in there. Has said that on February 18th, which is this week, this Thursday, there's going to be a Nintendo Direct celebrating Zelda's 35th anniversary. Uh, and I want to hear about an HD collection. He, this, they, they better deliver. Adam Bankhurst's name is on the line here because if I don't hear about some Zelda 35th anniversary collection on Thursday, pissed. His name will never be mentioned on the show again. Hey, if there's a 35th anniversary, depending on what they do for the 35th anniversary collection, that may get me to buy a Switch. All right, I'm putting my headphone down. I gotta go. You disgust me. What? I'm already thinking about buying a Switch. I mean, we got Mario Kart. We're on a Switch. We got, we got Luigi's Mansion <sighs> 3. We got Zelda, even though it's not necessarily the best Zelda game. Well, you're probably going to get more and more Zelda here for the Switch. All the Zelda you can handle. Uh, you know, I'm okay with Which, that. I'm- I enjoyed I enjoyed Skyward Sword. And I enjoyed Wind Waker. So the rumors that I've been, the scuttlebutt that I've been listening to online is that if they're going to do a three-game collection, it would seem to be, if you follow the pattern of the Mario 35 uh, anniversary collection, the three All-Stars, or three All-Stars, but the 3D collection, it's going to take the very first game released for the 64, the very first game released for the GameCube, and the very first game released for the Switch, which people... So we're talking <laughs> o- Ocarina of Time. Have reasoned is Ocarina of Time, obviously. Wind Waker, obviously, best game, and then the the best game in the Zelda series to be a link to the past. Skyward so Sword, and people say Skyward Sword because Twilight Princess Skyward was made for the GameCube I, primarily, and then brought to the Switch, brought to the Wii. It was primarily oh, what, just how like Breath of the Wild was made for the Wii U and then brought to the well, Switch. No one, well, no Sky, one cared to play a Wii U, so they had to do something okay, with it. So, so in, in my humble opinion, Twilight Princess was could have been better. If it didn't lean so heavily on Ocarina of Time, Skyward Sword is easily top two. I mean, it was really good. Those are the only two Zelda games I've never played. What? Twilight Princess? And Skyward Sword. Okay, Twilight Princess, you're not missing anything. It's not a bad story, but I was disappointed. And my wife, that was the first real Zelda game that she watched. So she could not understand why I was so disappointed. I said, here, let me show you Ocarina of Time and let me tell you why I'm so disappointed because I've already, you know, all all Zelda games, you go to different worlds, right? For the most part. It's a different incarnation of Link and Zelda and Ganon in a different timeline. Okay. Well, not not because Majora's Mask was a direct sequel to Ocarina, so that's and well, Ganon wasn't even well. In okay, that. most of them are in a different timeline. This one just felt like I was playing Ocarina of Time, but there was this goofy character, and I can become a wolf at times. Alright, don't, don't so, spoil it for me. Tricky, I will say that you would likely love Twilight Princess because it's the Zelda formula that you like a lot. It's not the open world stuff, it's the dungeon to dungeon to dungeon and fight a big boss, 
So I think well, you would love it. Well, you know, it's it's not even the open world. Like my problem with Breath of the Wild was never the gameplay itself. Like I I had no problem with that. You had problem with the I, stuff breaking. I had stuff problem with the, I had problem with the stuff breaking, but not so much. But the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, you know, no pun intended or anything, was the fact that the Master Sword and the Hyrule Shield could break. Like I, that was the line that was just so. Way too I mean, far I get that there, people could be like, "That's more realistic," but Zelda's also the Zelda Legends of Zelda series is a fantasy series. It's a fantasy game. So, I mean, would I like if I collect, you know, you know, I, you know, poor souls who bought the giant's knife in Ocarina of Time were probably really pissed when they used it once and it broke. But if I collect a weapon in a Zelda series, like I get they're trying to evolve the series because people complained, oh, it's just the same game, like over and over again. It's getting stale. I I, I would like to not have my weapons that. break. Like if I get a weapon, I want to use it forever. If I if I get the Megaton well, it's, it's, Hammer, it's, it's, the Megaton Hammer breaks while I'm busting it over a subterranean lava dragon's head, I'm gonna be pissed. My 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 biggest gripe about them breaking was not just the fact that they broke, but the amount of work that went into getting them. Now, the Hyrule Shield, you could just go back and get. The Master Sword, it never actually broke, but it just it became unavailable for a, a period of time. So it regenerated. Right. But to me, I mean, did it technically break? No. But you broke the Master Sword. You know what I'm saying? So well, yeah, because the master sword is the sword, right? And it's just the amount of work that has to go into get each one of them. It's not like you kill an enemy. Uh, okay, let me pick up this bow. Some random NPC is not just going to drop the master sword. Like you have to put work into getting. So there should be a prize, and the prize is I finally got a fucking weapon that's not going to break. Uh, but anyway, going back. Anyway, but I I, I really. I, I I say this so many times. I feel like I, I like nobody's hearing me when I say this. I don't have a problem with Breath of the Wild's gameplay. It's a good game. It's not underlined, boldface, italics, whatever the fuck you want to put on it. It is not a Zelda game. It is a game they made. They they slapped the name Zelda on it. That's it. It's not a Zelda game. I I I, ha, I I have to beg to differ because Homer's analogy makes a sense why it's a Zelda game. It's just not a good Zelda game. I I, I don't want to go down this path so, because it really <laughs> this really makes my blood boil. Before when people... Tricky has a heart attack, all I'm gonna say is yeah. Nintendo has two big anniversaries this year: Pokemon, which I know Nintendo doesn't fully own Pokemon, so calm down. How did we get on Nintendo anyway? Um, you said talk. Um, your your, your ringtone went no, off. I, I, your notification went off, and then that I was I was thinking about the, yes. Uh, Supposed Nintendo his... Direct is Thursday, but yeah. So they've got two big anniversaries this year, which is Pokemon, and which they are part owner of, and Legend of Zelda. So they need to be pumping out these old games real fast. They need to be pissing Donnie off with how many old games they're putting out, how many ports remakes they're putting out. All right. Well. Relating Nintendo back to PlayStation, apparently there is a class action lawsuit being filed against Sony for guess what? What? Drift. Like Tokyo Drift? Like a dual sense drift. That doesn't have the same kind of name. It, it doesn't rain off the tongue like Tokyo Drift. Dual sense drift. All right. No, In no. an article coming from IGN, uh, written by the made up name of Joe Scrubbles. 
A U.S. law firm has filed a class action lawsuit against Sony alleging that the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller is defective due to drift and that Sony was aware of the problem without disclosing it. The suit calls for Sony's conduct, quote, fraudulent, deceptive, unlawful, and unfair, end quote. Last week, uh, there was a reported investigation into the dual-sense drift by the law firm of Schwartz-Kreiner. I'm not giving a freaking law firm a name. Fuck you, lawyers. Uh, <laughs> what yield? No, that was just totally out of left field. Uh, the, the firm has now formally filed a class action suit in the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of New York. In documents provided to IGN, the suit is filed on behalf of the plaintiff, Lamarck Turner, and, quote, all other similarly situ- situated, end quote, and the names of the defense as Sony Corporation of America and Sony Interactive Entertainment. To IGN's knowledge, this is the first such suit filed against Sony regarding dual sets, but it may not be the last. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> The complaint describes the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller as, quote, defective, end quote, as it contains, quote, a defect that results in characters or gameplay moving on the screen without user command or manual operation of the joystick, end quote, known popularly as Drift. Further, the complaint alleges that Sony, quote, has all at all relevant times, end quote, been aware of the problem with the Drift, quote, through online consumer complaints, complaints made by cons- consumers directly to them, and Though its own pre-release testing, end quote. Now the article goes on, but it just basically says the same shit all over again. Uh, this, uh, obviously Nintendo had a problem with their Joy-Con drift. This is now the DualSense drift. Uh, I'm going to start this off because I'm the only one currently on the show with a PlayStation 5. I play with my PlayStation 5 controllers a lot. I have not noticed one bit of drift. <coughs> So, I can't really speak to this. Okay, moving on. Uh, but, I, no, I will say that, apparently, I mean, I've rarely, like, whenever I have bought PlayStation controllers, they've lasted a long time, like, pretty much the entire life of my consoles. They've actually, la- the original controllers that I've bought for every console have outlasted the console in many, many cases. But, like, I, and, and Homer had brought up, he was thinking about buying a Switch in the Trophy Wars chat, and... I, I hate the Joy Cons. I hate them. They they are a good idea with shit execution. I hate Joy Cons. They're too expensive, and the technology like within a year, within a year, three sets of Joy Cons like had drift and went bad. And trying to play Super Mario Odyssey or even going through a menu in any game is ridiculously frustrating. Tricky. I see you want to move on, but yeah, I I I've not like I have no experience with the Dual Sense, but in general. Sony's controllers have been very reliable. Uh, it's not that I wanted to move on. I was just trying to figure out uh, what I should do. All right. So at this point, we would uh, go into our topic of the week. But I'm actually going to skip the topic of the week completely this week. Um, I'm going to tell you guys what it is. So next week, hopefully, we'll have a guest on the show and be able to talk about this more in depth. But I wanted you guys to be aware that we know about it. We wanted to talk about it, but we just couldn't secure the guests at the time. Uh, our topic of the week is CG Project Red suffers a cyber attack. The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077 source code has been stolen and was put up for ransom. Apparently, CG Project Red never responded. And now the, the files have reportedly been sold on the dark web 
for seven million dollars. I mean, I don't know why we can't now, just comment about this now because if we do, when we do have this guest on, we're just gonna be listening to him talk about it. So, well, I I, I kind of want to wrap this all in one. I mean, I have no problem going into it right now at all. Uh, but I I wanted the guest to be here to be able to explain because a lot of people are not gonna understand what the source code for the game is. Um, so and I and I don't feel like I'm fully qualified to explain it as well because I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. Um, but all right, you know what? Let's go into it a little bit here. Uh, but again, we're gonna be re- re- we're going to be revisiting this topic uh, either next week or the week after. Uh, so this article is coming from Jordan Oldman on IGN. Uh, CG Project has been the victim of a targeted cyber attack in which the hackers have stolen the internal documents and source code for 2077 Cyberpunk and The Witcher. I know I said that backwards. Don't get on me. The company that announced the attack on Twitter noting that its internal systems have been compromised and the hackers had left a ransom note. The note was released to the public alongside the announcement and it claims the hackers have, quote, dumped full copies of the source codes for Cyberpunk, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of The Witcher 3, presumably the next-gen edition coming later this year. Uh, so CG Project Red themselves tweeted out uh, this information. First, I'm going to read the ransom note. It says, hello, CG Project. You're... Now, understand the grammar. I'm reading this to, the, to, to what it says. Your have been epically pwned. We have dumped full copies of the source code from your Perforce server of Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of Witcher 3. We have also dumped all your documents relating to accountant, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. Also, we have encrypted all your servers, but we understand that most likely you can recover this from backups. If we will not come to an agreement, then your source code will be sold or leaked online and your documents will be sent to our contacts in the game and journalism. Your public image will go down the shitter even more and people will see how shitty your company functions. Investors will lose trust in your company and the stock will dive even lower. You have 48 hours to contact us. So, and then uh, CG Project Red put out a tweet saying, yesterday we discovered this. We have become a victim of a, a targeted cyber attack, which cyber attack, which due to our internal systems have been compromised. An unidentified actor gained unauthorized access to our internal network, collected certain data belonging to CG project capital group and left a ransom note on the content, which we released to the public. Although some devices in our network have been encrypted and our backups have remained intact. We have rescued our it infrastructure infrastructure and began restoring the data. We will not give in to the demands nor go negotiate with the actor, being aware that this may eventually lead to the release of uncompromised, or, oh, excuse me, of compromised data. We are taking necessary steps to mitigate the consequences of such release, in particular by approaching any parties that may be affected due to the breach. We are still investigating the incident. However, at this time, we can confirm that, to the best of our knowledge, the compromised systems did not contain any personal data of our players or users of our services. We have already approached the relevant relevant authorities, including law enforcement and the president of personal data protection office, as well as it forensic specialists. And we will closely cooperate with them in order to fully investigate this incident. They go on to tweet saying to our ex employees, as of this moment, we do not possess evidence that any of your personal data was accessed. However, we still recommend caution. And if you have any questions, reach out to their privacy team. 
So, uh, I kind of uh, buried the lead there when I said that uh, the, the information has been released and sold for $7 million. But, gentlemen, let's stop right here and give you guys a chance to respond to this because it seems like Cyberpunk 2077 is the shitstorm that just never fucking ends. Yield? Let's start with you, sir. Uh, to me, I just think someone got butt hurt that the game was kind of a cluster F and took it out on the developer by hacking them and then tried to make a quick buck on it. All right, let, let's be clear here, and I think I'm going to speak for both of you guys. We in no way, shape, or form condone the actions of a hacker doing this. This is the shittiest thing you could do, and as kind of Yield has uh, already pointed out, uh, if you're butthurt because the game is not what you want it to be, we in no way, shape, or form endorse or support this kind of fucking actions. Like, th- this guy that did this, or a group of people that did this, they're fucking assholes. I th- am, am, am I safe to say that for you both? Yes. Yeah, I mean, at Alex? first it's kind of like, oh, these motherfuckers are going to get what they deserve, because it seems like CD Projekt Red has taken no action whatsoever, you know, other than putting out patches, but it doesn't seem like they're, you know, anyone's getting fired like they deserve to be fired from their management staff. But, I mean, this kind of thing, it's, I mean, you're theft. It's theft of property, and you can't just go around doing, it's vig- it's vigilante justice, and you can't go around doing that. And this has the pot- potential to affect everyone at the studio, including people who just worked hard on the game and had nothing to do with saying, yeah, green like this game, let's release it now. So, it's a shitty thing to do. Uh, and I don't even think, in one of the articles I think I read, it wasn't even someone who was, like, a, like some uh, jaded game or anything like that. Let me try it. I think it was the second article. Tricky. Let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to read. The second uh, article. Oh, it's I from the, from the second article on, uh, on IGN by Joe Scrubbles. Um, the headline is stolen. CD Project red files reportedly now sold after dark web auction. Uh, a quote from the article while still unconfirmed, multiple cybersecurity experts have pointed to the ransomware attack coming from a group called Hello Kitty based on the title and contents of the ransom note posted by CD Projekt Red following the hack. Um, okay, uh, and then a quote from, um, I guess, where is this? Where is this from? Is this? Hold on, sorry. Oh, this is, this is oh, from no, Twitter. Let me take over a second. Uh, and this comes from an account. Ugh. Damn it, I lost it. Hold on, sorry. I, I well, okay. I'm looking at the tweet. Maybe well, it's the yeah, same well, hold on. Let me. Okay. I got it back. It comes back. from. All right. Okay. Um, uh, from Fabian Wosar. Uh, the amount of people that are thinking that this was done by a disgruntled gamer is laughable. Judging by the ransom note that was shared, this was done by a ransom group, ransomware group we track as Hello Kitty. This has nothing to do with your disgruntled gamers. It's just your average ransomware. So, this wasn't anyone looking to strike back at. According to this person who tracks ransomware. Isn't look gamers looking to strike back at CD Projekt Red? This is just someone who saw an opportunity, and you know there are people like that all over the internet. Do you? But do you honestly believe that? Though? I mean, for it to happen so close in regard to all of the other shit that's gone down with CD Projekt Red, it seems like a very high coincidence. But it also could be that there was some like I think I can't remember exactly what I read in one of the articles about this, but I think they were saying like. There was I, I I since I don't remember entirely I won't even say it but I mean it's it's a, possible that these groups target a number of you know video game developers and when they see an opening they go for it I mean if this is a group of people you figure they're not just 
like a hawk on CD Projekt Red. They're looking, I mean, because video games are valuable by IP. We saw how much this, you know, reportedly sold for the dark web. So I imagine these groups are, you know, hawking up video game code all over the place. And maybe not just CD Projekt, and probably not just CD Projekt Red. It is a very convenient time for this to happen, but I, I'm not an expert in this regard. And, you know, people who are looking into it, if they say this this was a group and not just a disgruntled gamer, then I, I don't really have any reason not to believe that. All right. Uh, again, from the sec- second article, it says it's uh, also unclear what the price of the files will sell for, but reports indicate the upfront purchase price of $7 million was uh they were sold for so i oh this this is shitty like i i remember not too long ago we were talking about another source code for a game being stolen uh i believe it was a microsoft game maybe it was halo i don't remember exactly but uh, this is just shitty like i i get i i get people are pissed off I, I don't for one second believe this is an unrelated incident. I believe this is definitely they were they were targeted because of all the shittiness that's going out. This this pisses me off. I, I gotta I mean, be it's honest. It's a shitty thing to do. This is not if you if this was someone who was disgruntled, this is not a good way to get back at CG Project Red because I mean CG Project Red for a time there was offering refunds on the game. It was shitty and neglectful and negligent of them to release the game in the first place at least for the ps4 and the xbox one but they they're putting out patches and they're trying to make it right like i said somebody at the top someone in management needs to get fired for it because obviously that decision came from the top but this this vigilante justice is not the way to go about doing it and this kind of stuff you don't want to see anything that's going to potentially harm the long-term safety of and security of the development studio because you know not everyone there is, you know, guilty of some kind of injustice in this whole saga that is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Some people are just they're hardworking people, coders, uh, musicians, just hard at work at the game, and they spent you know so much of their lives on this, and to basically do something to to, th- to steal IP. I mean, that you, stealing property is it, any way you look at it is against the law. For them to do this in kind of like a like. Robin Hood, I'm going to get back at you mentality. I mean, it's not the right thing to do. It's a terrible way to handle it. And you you risk hurting more people who are not at fault than, you know, people who are at fault in the situation. All right. Uh, I just looked into this guy that tweeted out that this was uh, not some active fan. Um, he also tweeted out uh, earlier the same day, before CG Project Red, the same group has hacked a Brazilian energy company, C-E-M-I-G, late last year. Earliest victims date back to November 2020, way before Cyberpunk was released. I can see the appeal of this, quote, this was revenge by a former fan, end quote, but life is much more boring than that. I, I don't know if I, I trust this guy. I don't know. Should we trust any of this? I, obviously, you know, some of this is stuff been stolen. I mean, in the article, and even in the second article, there were links to it being sold online uh, and there's screenshots of it being a st- thing. Uh, there was another tweet by Intel by Kayla. Uh, this just in CG product Reddit auction is closed. Hackers auctioned off stolen source code for hashtag red engine and hashtag CDPR game releases have just announced that a satisfying order from the outside of the forum was received with the condition of no further uh, distribution or selling. So, 
There you go. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want to get a guess on here to, to explain what the source code is. If it's even worth $7 million. I don't know. Yo, what do you... I, I don't mean Alex was talking. Do you have anything else you want to add to this? Anything you want to say? No, other than that it's kind of... It's really shitty. Uh, it's a real shitty thing to do. I mean... I don't see a source code being worth... $7 million, but... I don't entirely know what the source code is, so... All right, hopefully, uh, if we can't get the guest on the show, I can do a, a quick chat with him and see he can, and we can post it in the show, and uh, he can quickly explain what a source code is. All right, with that being said, uh, Yield, I know you went out this last week, so I'm here. I can give it to you. Are you ready, sir? Yeah, I'm sitting down. Time to check my social media, yeah. Ah, oh, good stuff. Unfortunately, we don't have any good questions. Uh, I but we still checked po- it. You know, actually, yes. there was a question we, uh, that we didn't answer on the stream this past week. It was from our good friend Nitro. Well, there's also a Discord question, okay. too. So. Uh, but I don't think you guys are prepared for it. Uh, let me put a this link in the chat for you real quick. Uh I actually just saw this as we were recording, so chances are you guys probably don't even know this. Cause, well, Yield doesn't because he's not on Discord. That's right. Um, but, uh, Alex, go with the question from the Twitch chat first, and then we'll go give Yield some time to read that. So out. I'm shooting from memory, but essentially Nitro wanted to know, going off Homer's some of Homer's questions from last week, you know, we talk, at Comer asked, you know, if you see, you, you know, your video game crush across the bar, you know, who is your wingman to help you, you know, I guess seal the deal? Um, so, Nitro wanted to know who our three, uh, video, three video game crushes are. Uh, historically, there's any video game crushes you had in the video game, in video games. And I, I can only think of one for me. I can think of... I can think of three. I, I know two of them. Who do you think of the Aloy, two are? Okay. Okay. But see, okay, that's why uh, I was hesitant on the third one, because Holly Quinn technically isn't a video game character. But she's she has a video game. It, she's a, well, she's also a comic character, more so than a cartoon character. Because she was probably Correct. introduced in the comics before. But there are incarnations of Harley Quinn in video games that are probably a bit different shades of Harley Quinn. Absolutely. All right, so who's the third? Or who who are the, the, the two other ones that I didn't answer? Well, no, no, those are two Those are two of the ones. But the third one is Chloe from Uncharted. See, I'm in the same franchise, but not the same person, because Elena Fisher, which I answered last week that if I was going to have a elevator ride with a video game protagonist, Nathan Drake would be that guy. So that would make that, that elevator... I uh, have to stay away from that topic, because that would make that elevator ride a little awkward... But, um, yeah, that's also one of the reasons why I got so pissed in Uncharted 2 when Zoran Lazarevich, that piece of shit, oh, almost boy. killed uh, Elena. And I, I went, I went well, hard see, at that motherfucker. I, I, I will say I was pissed Elena, for two people. Me and Nate. Okay. 
Okay, the reason I'm going with Chloe is because I have a thing for accents, and her accent uh, is just very, English. very, very, very nice. Um, you like the English? So, oh, English. Yeah. yeah, English. You you give you give me a a, a British accent. Woohoo! Uh and Chloe has Mario? a nice ass. You hear a British accent, you turn into Mario. Oh, uh, uh, I'm fanning myself just thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, obviously Holly Quinn is number one, but she's not really a video game character. She's a cartoon character, but she was in video games, so that's why I counted her. Aloy, definitely. Uh, and yeah. So, uh, Yield, do you have an answer for this? I think you answered on the Twitch stream, though. Did I? I think you did. I don't think I did, because I don't think I have one. You don't have a video game crush? No. That's weird. Or maybe we're the weird ones. not weird. I was going to say, maybe that's not weird. (laughs) All right, so let's get into our other question. This this came from the Discord, uh, and this is written from Mr. Nitro, who likes to uh, join the boys on Rocket League Thursdays and troll the fuck out of me. Uh, so, Yield, I'm hopefully you've gotten through this a little bit. Uh, this article is coming from the Nerdist, because he linked us an article for the question. Uh, his questions are, uh, what are our thoughts on Jar Jar Binks being redesigned as an evil Sith Lord? Well, see, I was hoping that this was the twist that they were going to do in the Skywalker trilogy. And, and... I would, because that would have been just absolutely perfect. That would have given me a reason to to like but hate Jar Jar was if he was a Sith all along, and it didn't happen. All right, so this article is coming from Eric Diaz, um, and like I said, it's coming from the Nerdist. It says Jar Jar Binks has long been the symbol of everything goofy and lighthearted in the Star Wars franchise. The outcast was the focus of ire for many years from a certain sect of Star Wars fandom who only wanted things to be ultra-serious. In fact, some fans actually tried to retcon Jar Jar into secretly having been an agent of the dark side the whole time. He did help to start the Empire, after all, so maybe that's not that far-fetched. That is true. Okay, so, so this theory is probably not true, but what if it were? What if the mysterious, quote, Phantom Menace, end quote, wasn't a reference to Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, but actually Jar Jar? Via Geeks Are Sexy, we discovered what a Dark Side Sith Lord version of Darth Jar Jar Binks would actually look like. Creature and character designer Kevin Cassidy put his skills to the test and crafted these terrifying images that he shared on Instagram. You can take a look at all the versions of Jar Jar below. Obviously, you know, you guys are not going to be able to look. But, uh, with that being said, Alex, I'm going to jump to you. What do you think about these images? So, I've actually watched YouTube videos on the theory that Jar Jar was pulling the strings in the background. Oh, so you're deeper into this than we are. <laughs> um, it's a nice theory, but I mean, there's actually, I think they make some good points that, and, and some of it's, you know, just like, yeah, you can connect the dots to stuff that's not really there, but it's an interesting theory. And I, I think that, you know, fans of any series are going to come up with some harebrained shit all the time. I definitely don't think Jar Jar was there as a secret Sith. I think he was just there to sell merchandise to children. So, uh, and as far as Jar Jar goes, I know that the actor who played Jar Jar, I think it's Ahmad Best, got death threats for the Jar Jar. I never understood why people hated Jar Jar as much as they did. I, I get that oh, I get I, the Jar I, I don't I get either. the Jar Jar's voice is kind of annoying, but like 
I look at someone like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, and I get that Gollum has far more backstory and is a far more interesting character and a far more complex character than Jar Jar. But if we're going to talk about annoying voices, Gollum or Schmeagol, whatever you want to call him, his voice is the his raspy little voice is the most fucking annoying thing I've, from any movie I've ever heard. I hate his voice. I can't even listen to him most of the time. Jar Jar, Jar can go die a fiery death, and I will. Dance and sing and celebrate. But, the and they, 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 re, like they ah. probably saw. They thought that Jar Jar was going to be a big hit, and everyone he's going to be the comic relief of the movie, which is you know, other otherwise than merchandising it to appeal to kids. Like that's why he was there for comic relief. Was he's kind of like a, a stooge, like a huge boob, like he just acts like a doofus. But as you see, the movies go on and on. He has a presence, but he's he's his presence in the movies. His roles are greatly diminished. So obviously, they they fed off of that energy and he's like okay we got to tone this guy down because people actually don't like him so but yeah I've, I've never understood the jar jar hate and i as right. fun as the theories are to read and that you know people actually put a lot of thought into him it's like okay yeah i can kind of see that jar jar was clearly there just as a, a hapless boob he was just there for comic relief i i i'm with you i don't like i'm not saying jar jar is any way shape or form is like the best character ever like i he, i could take a i could you know, take or give away Jar Jar, but I don't see that. There's, in all honestly, look at any Star Wars character in history. There's never been any character that's been that, like, deep, like, that much deep meaning to that character. Like, everyone you see, yeah, they've got their shades and their shadows and stuff, but no one is, like, that far into it. No one's that far behind the scenes that you're like, man, that good character is actually super evil. Like, just... Like you just pop a theory out of in one afternoon and be like, "I'm gonna make a YouTube video about this because no one else sees that this character is actually evil." No, Palpatine. He not only was like metaphorically, but also like physically. He's in the holograms. He's like he's wearing like the robe over his head. He looks like a phantom. Palpatine's the Phantom Menace. There's no doubt about that. And I I just don't think that there's any that like that much depth and that much hidden to a Star Wars character or any, any of them. To suggest that, yeah, Jar Jar is just really deep cover sin. Like, it's that deep. That's just people All wanting right. to make uh, Jar Jar Yield. more interesting and less hated. Yield, I'll give you the final word on this. I would have preferred if he was a Sith. It would have made him, made his character that much more interesting, because I could not stand him. I, you know, comic relief, I'm, I'm all for comic relief, but it was just, that character just so damn dumb. I cannot. I was when I was rewatching the trilogy, the, the the prequels with my niece. I'm like, oh, I still hate this character. I I, I had a new found appreciation for the sequels, but dear God, I still hate that character. All right. With that being said, uh, let's close out the show. But before we do, I, you know, I just realized I haven't played one freaking ad this entire time. So. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you choose. One, two, three, four, or five. Five. Let's go big. This portion of the show is brought to you by Twitch Prime. Did you know that Amazon gives you $5 to give to your favorite streamer every month? If you link your Amazon Prime account with Twitch, you can sub to any Twitch page for free. You have to renew it every month. Otherwise, Amazon is just going to keep your money, though. So remember. So why not just give it to us instead? All right, let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Yield, let's start with you, sir. Shout-out to the fans, the pimps and the madams, the whoredom. 
listening, downloading, interacting with us, catching us on stream. You guys are awesome. So are you gals. Shout out Tricky and Alex for recording tonight. Shout out to uh, the guys and gals from the PSN Profiles community for helping boost the online for Enemy Front. And that's it. Uh, Alex, your shout-out, sir. Give a shout-out to the fans, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse. That's you, listeners. Without you guys, this show would not exist. Uh, we would not be going this long. We'd not be expanding our, our reach upward and outward to new avenues. Twitch wouldn't have streams for Rocket League and wouldn't have the Be Legit. Uh, of course, you know people like Homer and uh, Levi have fed into the community and reinvested in the community, and that's why that stuff is blossomed. But Listeners, you guys have done that too, and you've helped stuff like that come along. So thank you all for investing in us and for giving us some of your time every single week. We hope we make it worth your while. Give a shout-out to Tricky and to Yield for recording on this cold, wintry Monday night. I guess there's really nothing else to do but sit inside podcasts or play video games or watch TV. So uh, what the hell else would they be doing? Well, maybe Tricky would be sleeping. Probably that. But sleeping. yeah, a shout-out to them for joining me here. Uh, shout-out to Nitro and Gareth Forge stopping by the chat on the Twitch stream Thursday night for Rocket League. Again, if you want to watch us, it is 7 p.m. on Thursdays. And also to Nitro, shout out for the listener questions we got this week or that we, we shared on the show this week. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving girlfriend, my Valentine, Ashley. Uh, our, our anniversary is actually coming up. It's on the 17th of February. And while we are not going to be able to spend it in the traditional way going to the restaurant that we had our first date at, I'm sure that it will be a wonderful evening that we just spend some quality time together, which is the best thing that we can hope for is staying warm inside, cuddling up, and uh, just spending the time with the person you love. So uh, I love you, honey. All right. Uh, just for the record, because we kind of skipped over it, there were two questions on the Facebook post. Uh, 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 first one came from Homer saying, when are you guys recording uh, right now? No, 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 no. And Joe said, "Are you recording?" Uh, yeah, for a few, few more minutes. All right, I want to give a shout out to Sweet Mama D. Uh, shout out to the goddess. Shout out to all the fans. A big motherfucking twerp you to all the snow that's coming out of the sky. Fuck you. Don't stop. I mean, I love you because uh, you make me a lot of money, but please stop. Give me a break. Let me sleep. With that being said. Until the next snowstorm, happy trophy hunting. Later. Bye. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.